Well, hello, and welcome to this episode of the Beartown Road Alliance Church Podcast. My name is Pastor Isaac, and I really just want to say thank you for joining us for this episode of the podcast. We have another special episode with John O'Neill that is going to teach us this morning. The title of this episode, taken from July 11th, 2021, is called Plan on God. This is a continuation of our series in the book of James as we begin to jump back into looking at this letter that was written by the half-brother of Jesus. Well, our world is ever-changing and life is constantly moving, you know, sometimes too quickly as we all find out. And we make plans, but they don't always work out. Well, wouldn't it be great to know that there is one person that we can always rely on? And having that individual that we know and that we can trust is so powerful. And so I'm looking forward to sharing this message with you. Again, this sermon was taken on July 11th, 2021. And so let's Take time to really ponder this idea of who do we trust in this life. So without further ado, let's jump into this episode entitled Plan on God. I'm actually really excited to be here talking to everyone this morning for a couple reasons. One is graduation Sunday and I have had the privilege of working with a lot of these high school students in youth ministry on Wednesday nights and getting to know them. Um, so seeing them graduating and moving on into the world and into life, um, it's just awesome. It, it's, it's really great to see these things happening and, and to see them coming from a church background. But the other reason, and maybe a little more why I'm excited, is Dave usually only lets me speak once a year, and it's always the Sunday after Christmas when no one comes to church. <laughs> so today is actually the third time in just over six months that I've been allowed to be up here. So I'm, I'm actually pretty pumped about that. Um, we're going to jump back into James this week. We took a little hiatus from it. Uh, we're going to jump back into it. So everyone get a piece of paper. We're going to have a pop quiz on what we've covered so far in James. We're not going to do that. We are going to talk about plans, though, and making plans. And I think it's very appropriate that this is the topic we come to on graduation Sunday with students going out into the world, making plans for the future. James is now addressing that in his letter to the Church of Jerusalem. So we're going to jump in. We're going to talk about that a little bit. But first, I have a question. Who here has made plans in the last couple of days? I mean, I would guess just about everybody's hand is going to go up. I mean, maybe even just in the last few minutes, you were making last-minute plans to have dinner with somebody today. We make plans frequently, and it, it sometimes seems like life is just a series of plans, one right after the other. And it's fun, especially when we're planning for, like, vacation. That, that can be really fun. But it can also be not so fun when our plans don't go as we want them to. Last weekend, some friends of mine called me, and they said, hey, let's go out on the boat this afternoon. It's a gorgeous day. We'll take the kids. We'll do some tubing. We'll do some water skiing. We're just going to hang out on the lake all afternoon. So I raced home. I grabbed the kids, got them loaded up, got down to the boat launch. They met us there, got all the kids in the boat, got all the stuff in the boat, and we turned the key, and it goes, tick, 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 tick. And my buddy goes, well, who left this switch on? Now, in my mind, I'm going, only one person drives this boat, okay? But I didn't say that because I could see the frustration building a little bit in his face. So then it's get the kids back out of the boat, get all the stuff back out of the boat. We wandered around asking a couple of people if anyone had a, a jump box with them by chance, and nobody did. 
So then it was like, okay, we sent the kids off to the beach, and he and I jumped in my car, and we ran to his house to get a jump box and ran back to get the boat going. A minor inconvenience. We did get the boat started. We went out on the lake. We had a great time. We were a little delayed in our plans, and there was a a minor inconvenience. But overall, it, it wasn't the end of the world. There might have been a little frustration on the part of the mom that had to take all the kids to the beach by herself for an hour. But overall, it it went well. But what about when it's our future plans for our life and they get interrupted? Or they don't go as we want them to? Or we think they should work out a certain way, but it doesn't happen like that? What happens to us then? Well, the good news is that's what James actually addresses next in his letter. And we're going to talk about that. But real quick, I do want to recap where we left off. Three weeks ago, Isaac was talking about criticizing and being judgmental of each other. And James left off with them saying, he gave them this real, kind of a real rhetorical but powerful gut punch question of, who are you to judge one another? So the, the recipients of this letter, they're kind of like, thanks, James. You know, we really needed that gut punch. So as he moves on to the next topic, he addresses them by saying, now listen, he's bringing them back in. He's saying, I've got something important. We're not done here yet. I want your attention. If you're a parent, you've probably said this to your kids. Hey, listen up. If you're a teacher, I know you've said it to the students. Hey, pay attention. That's what James is doing here. He's bringing them back down. He's saying, we've got more to cover. This isn't the end of it. He says, listen, you who say... Today or tomorrow, we will go to a certain city and stay there for a year. We will do business and make money. How do you know what your life will be like tomorrow? Your life is like the morning mist, here for a little while, and then it is gone. I can see by some expressions out there, you're kind of thinking the same thing that I was the first time I read through this, and that is, I thought we were going to talk about making plans. That should be fun. Instead, you're talking about, are we going to even be around tomorrow? To be clear, what James is actually saying here, because it kind of feels like he's going, well, life's short. Don't bother making plans. Let's move on. What he's saying, though, is he's throwing out a word of caution, saying, hey, we don't know if we're going to have tomorrow. We don't know what tomorrow is going to bring. So be cautious when you start saying, we're going to do this. And I can't help but think that he's possibly referencing a parable that Jesus used. In Luke chapter 12, Jesus talks about the parable of the rich man. And in that particular instance, he and his disciples were in, again, a very large crowd of people, as they usually were. There was a man that came to him and said, Master, tell my brother how we should be dividing this inheritance. And Jesus kind of scolds him a little bit and says, Well, why are you worrying about your earthly possessions? And he goes into a parable to explain it to him. And he's talking about the parable of the rich man. Now, this was a farmer who had an abundance of crops. And he had so many crops that he's kind of scratching his head and going, what what am I going to do? I don't have enough room for all these crops. So being a guy and coming up with a guy solution, he says, oh, I know. Build a bigger one. Let's tear down the barns. Let's build a bigger one. Then I'll have plenty of room. And then once I'm done with that, then I can just kind of kick back, relax, watch some sports, have a couple parties, just take life easy. 
Seems like a good plan, right? But he didn't consider the future because God said, you fool, you will die this very night. Then who will get everything you worked for? See, we have, by default, we have this tendency to think that we know everything. For those of you that live with teenagers, you know that they do know everything, right? Yeah, my, my teenager thinks he knows everything. It's a challenge, but I remind him you don't, just like we don't. I mean, if we knew everything, if we knew what was going to happen tomorrow, weather forecasts would never be wrong, and we'd have nothing to complain about. The reality is, thinking that we have control over our future is an illusion. See, what we really need to take away from what James is saying in this verse is the reminder that everything is here and then gone. Our life, our possessions, all of that. It can be gone in an instant. We don't have that kind of control. So again, it's a little confusing here what James is trying to say. So he goes on to clarify. Instead, what you ought to say is, if the Lord wants us to, we will live and we will do this or that. See, he's not saying don't make plans. He's saying if you're going to make plans, then there's a right way to do it. And that's by saying, well, if, if the Lord wants us to. Because he's talking about the attitude behind it. It's, it's this idea that we have of putting God first and allowing him to direct us. Again, we don't have the control, but God does. He's sovereign. He has that control. He knows what's going to happen next. So we have to come to this, this recognition and this understanding that if we are going to make plans, we have to put God at the center of it. We have to be willing to say, hey, you know what, God? Whatever your plan is for me, whatever direction that takes me in life, however that looks for you, pointing out my sin or correcting my wrongdoing, whatever trials that may bring into my world, whatever way that completely rewrites my plans, God, I'm going to give that to you. I'm going to let you take control of that. 20 years ago, if you would have told me I'd be standing up here delivering a message like this, I'd have told you you were crazy. And the reason being is I spent a lot of years running and trying to hide from God. See, I had my own idea for my plans and for my future. And I didn't want to follow God's plan because I thought God was going to say, I want you to be a preacher and stand on a stage in front of a congregation and deliver a sermon. Well, fast forward today, and thankfully God didn't ask me to do that. Instead, he asked me to be a speaker and stand on a stage and address a group of people. We don't know what God's going to ask us to do. He might ask us to step out of our comfort zone a little bit, but ultimately, he is going to give us what's best for us. And we don't know what that is. His wisdom is perfect. Ours is flawed. We have to put our trust in him. We have to be willing to fully commit to him and to his way. 
We talk about this verse again. This, if the Lord wants us to. Another way of saying that is, Lord willing, or if the Lord wills. My grandfather used to say, Lord willing, all the time. Um, I very clearly remember one time when I was about five or six years old, and we were staying with my grandparents, and I, my brothers were putting me up, because I was the youngest, they were putting me up to going to Grandpa and saying, hey, ask him if we can go fishing tomorrow. So I went, and I said, Grandpa, can you take us fishing tomorrow? I said, Lord willing. Well, I was a little kid. I thought those were like magic words, because he said it all the time, kind of like abracadabra. So if he said, Lord willing, that means it was going to happen. So I ran to my brothers, like, hey, Grandpa said we're going fishing tomorrow. Really, what did he say? I, he said, Lord willing. My brother kind of looked at me and goes, I don't think we're going fishing tomorrow. Those aren't magic words, obviously. That's not how it really works. And that's not what James is trying to say. Instead, what he's saying is, we need to put our trust in God, and we need to have the realization that ultimately it is anything that happens in our life is if the Lord wills it. I will go to that college if the Lord wills. I will marry that person if the Lord wills. I will take this job if the Lord wills. I will have a family if the Lord wills. I will buy that motorcycle. That's more if my wife wills. <laughs> but we have to really let God have that control. We have to submit ourselves to him. Because if we don't, if we, if we try to do it on our own, and we're not trusting God and his sovereign plan, then ultimately we're, we're trusting ourselves. Now, it can be scary to trust in God. I'll give you that. When I first made a commitment to God and said, okay, I'm done running, I'm done hiding, I'm going to trust in you, and whatever that looks like, it was scary because I could feel him pulling me to take steps. And that first step was like baby step baby step because it was a little unnerving it reminds me of a game that my brothers and I created when we were younger and those of you that have heard me speak before know I have some great ideas on this stuff another one we called a really fun game and my mom called a dumb idea we called it blind man walking now the way this game was played was you had to have at least two people usually we did it in four because then you had two teams that could race each other and the premise behind the game was the blind man puts a, a blindfold on and they're handed a stick and then they have to spin around until they're about to fall down. And then they have to make their way, and this is why it was better with two teams because we'd race, across the yard without running into any obstacles. Now, it sounds fairly simple, right? Well, we had our stick, but then the other person on our team was our guide and they would direct us and tell us which way we should be going. Again, sounds pretty simple, except there were, some, there were two very major obstacles in our yard. One was an old stone well that was pretty deep. The other one was a big ditch that cut our yard right in half that you had to use the bridge to get across. So this idea of being blindfolded and dizzy, using nothing more than a stick and someone's voice, trying to get us to the other side of the yard first, you just hope that your brother wasn't upset with you over something and walked you right into the ditch. Now, following God, trusting God, it's kind of like playing that blind man game. We can't really see. We kind of lose our bearings. We may feel a little, a little uneasy, a little dizzy. But just like when we were playing that game, as, as we would get our bearings and, and the dizziness would wear off, 
and we become more confident, then we started taking bigger steps and bigger strides. As we found that we could trust the person directing us, that they were actually going to get us across the bridge and not in the ditch, then we became much more confident and much faster in our movements. It's the same way with God. And here's the best part about it. God's not a vindictive brother that wants you to fall in and get all muddy and wet. No, it's quite the opposite. God is our provider. He's our protector. He's our savior. He's our creator. He wants nothing but the best for us. So when he directs us, when he's guiding us, he's going to be true. He's going to be pure. So why wouldn't we trust him? It just makes sense, right? But we struggle with it. We don't want to fall back on our own plans. We need to trust in God. Because I said a minute ago, if we are trusting in ourselves, well, then we're saying, essentially, we're, we're better than God. We know better than God. We're smarter than God. When we, when we choose to go on our own ambition and not trust his plan, we're basically telling God, I don't need you. We say things like, look what I accomplished. Look at the position that I got at my job. Look how much money I made. Look at my big house. Look at the fancy car that I drive. Look at all the toys in my garage. We start getting this pride and this arrogance. It starts creeping in. It starts welling up inside of us. James actually addresses this, and it's very clear what he says. He says, you are boasting about your own pretentious plans, and such boasting is evil. Evil. He's not saying, well, it's probably not a good idea. He's not saying it's not ideal. You shouldn't really do that. No, he flat out says it is evil. It's wrong to think that we can do this with our own ambitions. We need to be seeking God and trusting God and submitting to his will. Because in addition to that, James also tells us it is sin to know what you ought to do and then not do it. We need to be obedient to God. Again, no room for gray there. It's black and white. If you know you should do something and you don't do it, that is sin. Conversely, if you know you shouldn't do something and you do it anyway, that is sin. So where do we go from here? Because th this is a little confusing, right? It seems like James is like all over the place with this. Should we make plans for our future? I'm going to tell you right now, I, I struggle with this a little bit. I, I'm a little bit of a type A personality. Those of you that know me probably would agree. I like to make plans. I thrive on structure and organization. Like that, that is my comfort zone. Anybody else here like that? A little type A, like to make plans, like to stick to them? Yeah, yeah, it feels good. How many of you are the complete opposite? Like you're spontaneous, go with the flow, doesn't matter. Whatever happens, happens. <laughs> Why does that not surprise me about you, Joe? <laughs> right? I, I'm a little envious of you people. But don't tune out because this is good for everyone. I like making plans. And James, again, it's not that he's saying don't make plans because making plans is actually a good thing. 
And we need to plan for our future. But again, he's giving instruction on the right way to do it. And we can take these five verses and basically sum them up into three words, and that's plan on God. That's what James is getting to. We need to plan on God. It's okay to make those plans, but plan it the right way. Plan on God. Build your future there. And if we go back and kind of review these verses of what he wrote, he sums it up by saying, first of all, you've got to recognize that God is in control. We don't have that control. We don't know what tomorrow is going to bring. We don't know if we are going to be here tomorrow. Just like that rich man. We don't know. We have to recognize that God is in control and surrender that control to him. And then we have to trust his plan. We, we need to remember that his way is perfect. His wisdom is perfect. He is going to direct us if we allow it. So we need to trust God and we need to trust his plan for our life. It's not always going to be easier, but it will be better. So trust his plan. And ultimately, we have to be obedient to God. He, he asks for that obedience from us because just like a parent knows what's best for their kid, he knows what's best for us. He wants us to recognize and understand that he will always give us the right direction to go if we are obedient and trusting in him and following him. This right here basically sums up the last eight years of my life. There's this cycle that I I went through, and, and I've done it twice now in the last eight years. The first time was a real struggle. I was running from God, hiding from him. I was buried deep, 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 into an addiction to prescription drugs. I was so far removed in my relationship with God that I felt like the only way out was suicide. But God said, no, you're not in control. You don't get to make that decision on when you go. I make that decision. God makes that decision. And he picked me up and he set me down and he said, not today, not like this. That's not how this is going to happen. It was at that moment in my life when everything around me was crashing down that I recognized and fully understood God is in control of my future, not me. And it was at that point that I said, okay, God, I'm going to trust you. I'm going to follow you. Whatever it is, even if that means being a preacher, even if that means being a preacher, I am going to follow your will and your plan for my life. I'm going to trust you. And I'm going to be obedient to what it is you're calling me to do. I'm going to be obedient to avoiding those sins. It took a few years for me to get through that cycle, through that process. It was a real struggle. So the second time this happened in my life was just about a year, year and a half ago when I lost my job. Now the good news is the second time it happened... I was easy, it was much easier for me to work through this and understand it because my relationship with God was so much better. At that point, I was able to immediately recognize that God is in control because I knew it going into it. I said, God, I don't understand why this had to happen, but you have control of this, 
and you're going to do something great out of this. I was trusting that he was going to provide me with another job somewhere and that he was going to provide for my needs in the meantime while I was out of work. And I remained obedient to his will. I remained obedient to what he was calling me to. It wasn't easy. It was easier, but it wasn't easy. I still had moments of struggle. But because my relationship with God was better this time, I was able to get through those struggles easier. I was able to get in touch with friends from church and talk to them and pray with them and have them help me through it. God's way is not always easier, but it is better. And he really showed that to me in the last several years. So I want to take a minute and I want to address the graduates That doesn't mean everyone else should get up and leave. This is good for everybody. But I do want to speak specifically to you graduates because as you're making your way out into the world and I'm encouraging you to continue focused on God, plan on God, plan your future out on God, there's two things that I want you to consider while you do that. First, I want you to think about God's place in your future. If the only thing that you have are your own plans, your own ambitions and desires without considering God, What's going to happen when those plans fall through? It's going to feel like your entire world is crashing down around you. But if you instead put your future in God and plan your future on God, then when some of those things come crashing down, you're going to be able to take comfort in knowing that you have hope and you have a future and that you have the assurance that God is always going to be there. The other thing I want you to consider is your future in God. Don't be like that rich man. Don't get hung up on your selfish ambitions. Don't worry about your your possessions or your gains. Focus on your relationship with God. Because as we saw a few minutes ago, that's all dust in the wind. I know you're all singing that song in your head now, aren't you? Dust in the wind. It's going to be gone. It can go away just like that. When I was growing up, I had friends that one night, in the middle of the night, their house caught fire. They got out wearing nothing more than the pajamas that they had on. We heard about it and went over immediately the next morning to check on them. And where the house used to be was just a pile of ashes. They literally lost everything like that. That's how it is in our life. It can all be gone in an instant. So focus on your future in God. Because again, God will never leave us or forsake us. That's his promise to us. Because when it all is gone, we still have that future with God in eternity. So I challenge you as you go out into the world, consider these two things and plan your future on God. A verse that got me through my struggles in life, I mean, this is is a great verse. This is one that I have taped to my mirror, and I look at it frequently. I have it in several places. I have one in my office 
I keep a, a, a bookmark in my Bible right to it. I mean, I pretty much know it by heart, but I always like to look at it as well. The plans I have for you, I know the plans I have for you. Plans for good. Plans to give you a future and give you hope. That's where it's at. Because even if life goes exactly as you want it to, and you have wealth, you have possessions, when you're gone, does it matter? See, if we have our future in God, then we know no matter what our earthly values become, we have lived a significant life because we've centered ourselves on God and our relationship with him. That's what makes the difference. That's what gives us that hope, even in the midst of trials. We actually have a, a friend and, and a, a part of the Brack family that in her life, she faced some struggles and she found a way to come to trust in God and recognize that regardless of what her past was, that was not who she was, but that God had a plan for her life. She shared her testimony. We're going to watch this video um, and, and hopefully everyone can be encouraged by it. Let's watch this together. Hi, my name is Amy Savino, and I've been going to Beartown Road for about four years now. A little backstory about me as a child, I was kidnapped by my biological father twice. The second time was a long three and a half years of mental abuse and beatings for any reason he could come up with. Because of this, I feel like my soul has been in an almost constant battle. As a teen, I struggled a lot, made some very poor decisions with drinking and promiscuity. I felt worthless, like absolute garbage. I just wanted to die, and I tried to. About six years ago, after a series of events, I rededicated my life to Christ. Almost five years ago, I started working for Corning School District. There I met Caitlin Buderbaugh, and she was a great blessing to me. She invited me to come to Beartown Road. I came, and I absolutely love it. God has opened doors and brought me to people who have given me friendship that I was missing from in my life. I'm especially thankful for my mom, Joan Bratz, who also attends Beartown. She has been a huge blessing in my life. She reminds me constantly that I am loved. There really hasn't been just one moment in my life that I was struggling and needed to depend on God. It's been constant. I still have days where I feel lower than pond scum, but I know that no matter what is going on in my head, that my heart and soul will always belong to God. He has been my rock and fortress in my time of need. I can cry out to him and feel his peace come over me. My earthly father failed me, but my God never will. He has always been there for me, even when I didn't feel it. Uh, the passage that John taught on today from James 4, 13 through 17, talks about depending on God today because tomorrow is not guaranteed. I need to open my heart and live for God today and make the most of each day. Time is fleeting. Thank you for giving me the opportunity to share God's work in my life.
Well, I hope that that message was as challenging to you as it was to me to listen and to try to really figure out what am I doing with God in my life? And am I making plans outside of his will or inside of it? It's really challenging. So I want to encourage you to go out, put Christ first in your life and recognize that he truly does love you and he has your best interest at heart. And so until we're together again, thank you for joining us on this episode of the Beartown Road Alliance Church Podcast.